we can listen to music whenever we like, however we like. But that's it. That's it's like we need to be able to people need to be able to connect with the artist. Basically, 2016, Halloween 2016. I, I made the mistake of letting my girlfriend cut my hair when she was here. For a moment, like, what have you been doing research on? Yeah. I was, I was about to say personality test. I took a personality test. <laughs> and, uh, Welcome to the Creative Community Worldwide Podcast from Collective Culture. My name's Alex, and for anyone who doesn't know, Collective Culture is a new free-to-access and be a part of worldwide creative collective, multimedia and events brand based in Southeast London, offering opportunities and starting projects with creatives from anywhere and everywhere. You can find out more on our newly launched website and networking platform, www.collectiveculture.com. In the podcast, we'll be talking to people I find really interesting, some already involved in collective culture and others who aren't, generally focused around the life of modern day creatives, the creative industry, but also just venturing off into other random topics along the way. In this episode, the fifth and final of the first series, I had the pleasure of talking to producer, multi-instrumentalist and library music composer, Max Jerry. We spoke about his career so far and why he loves composing library music, the rise of the bedroom producer and why the recording studio is still an integral part of the songwriting and production process, personality types and why me and Max are even more alike than we thought, and how one of the most embarrassing experiences of Max's life and music career happened all in one night. Just a quick warning, our podcast sometimes contains strong language. Enjoy! Okay, so today we are joined by my good friend Max Jerry. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Max Jerry. <laughs> Max Jordan Jerry. <laughs> um, what do you do, Max? Oh, I'm a full-time musician, composer, producer. Um, I, at the moment, I'm working as a library music composer and producer. <laughs> I work with a li- uh, library production company called Beats Bakery, and uh, they treat me very well. And um, in return, I give them music. I write music for them, produce music for them. It's great. I love it. That's that's me right now, pretty much, and that's been me since last March. Last March was when I started, so it's coming up to a year now. In a month, it will be a year since I started. Yeah, amazing. For a bit of context, I guess we've known each other for quite a while through our friend Lewis. Yeah. He's yeah. a really good producer, mutual friend, Lovely also also yeah. on the uh, the Collective Culture platform. Um, so obviously. Um, yeah, you do. So, yeah, you're working on production library stuff. What, like, sort of excites you about composing, producing, and what, like, really got you into that area of music after sort of playing in bands for a while? Being able to actually create the sounds that you hear on Spotify, that you hear anywhere, and think, wow, that sounds so good, but actually learning, getting to create that yourself. Like, I get the biggest kick out of sort of, like, achieving those sort of milestones where I think, oh, I'm that step closer to sounding like that artist or like that song that I really like. And yeah. I can't wait till I get to the point where I am able to just hear, hear like a cool idea in my head, like a song that would be something that I'd love to listen to just anyway. Mm-hmm. And to then make that myself. I love like that. that. I love that. Like I love- to, exactly to the blueprint that I have in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love that view of it. That's really cool. I've, do you know what? Like, I mean, obviously, being a musician myself, that's what all musicians kind of have in the back of their mind. But I've never like oh, actually yeah. Yeah. heard that like come out of someone's mouth. So that's that's really interesting. And what like when did you kind of get into music? Like, what was your kind of like way? Oh, in, 
being a musician? I mean, I, I, I mean, I've loved music all my life. My dad's always played music in the car and stuff, so I've always loved music. But when it comes to actually making music, being a musician, probably, I, I don't think it counts when you get like a stupid like little toy guitar when you're like six if you don't really go anywhere with it. So I'm not going to count that because I okay. didn't go anywhere with that. Um, I'll probably say, actually, it was probably before I ever picked up an instrument ever. I think it was year nine year nine it would have been the last year of like school before you actually get to choose your subjects yeah um yeah. i think it was music and, and we were introduced to this program called mixcraft where you can like kind of take samples it was it's like a really sort of like sort of like an entry-level daw workstation yeah and i remember just being fascinated how you could just Make, make a song basically it was really simple you could just take samples and just put them in they didn't have to fit like back then i didn't know what the hell i was doing they didn't fit at all mm -hmm. but i was like fascinated that i could make a song and i remember i went home and i downloaded it on my little laptop windows vista laptop oh, and yeah. i just started making like really terrible like just little loops that that like i remember showing them to my family they'd be like oh that sounds great that sounds good <laughs> You know, a little bit like you know a little kid drawing a picture and the parents are like oh well done don't know what it is but well done it was like that bit in audio form i guess Brilliant. so that was probably when i started being a musician because from that point onward um i was just making music um i, I then learned to pick, uh, play the guitar and i eventually got an imac which is the one i'm using today and i had garage band and i started recording like guitar stuff in there and i just messed yeah. around on garage band and stuff yeah garage band yeah, yeah garage band and then eventually logic was a great way for me to get into yeah yeah, yeah. i like that what about you when did you like start oh uh i guess getting into music would be um probably when i was in about year five on about nine or ten uh going over to friend my friend's house right. alex and he'd play a lot of sort of like 90s new metal music and i just just, oh yeah yeah it's like corn and they're limp oh, yeah. yeah and i just thought it was i don't know it just caught my imagination a bit and then yeah. got really in sort of punk music and started playing drums when i was about 11 or 12. um oh. yeah that was kind of my way into it but also obviously my um my family's musical as well so my dad oh, yeah, yeah. my dad obviously like helped me like sort of encouraged me as well so that was cool it was destined it was destined from the start it was it destined, was destined. Yeah, it was written in scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and, yeah, exactly. What? Um, so, bands and projects that you sort of worked on through your kind of early years of music, when you sort of were like, okay, this is what I want to do now. I want to be a musician. What? Like, what were they? What? Like, what bands and stuff were you playing? <laughs> okay, so I mean, the first one, the first band I ever played is. It was like a high school band, and I remember we had we had some of my close closest friends um, in that band. Mm -hmm. um, I had my good friend Adam, my good friend Noah, um, Hayden that was the drummer, and um, oh god, hang on, <laughs> wait, yeah, yeah, that was it. It was just us four, five, but um. <laughs> and uh, we made, and we we could never come up with a name. We could never come up with a name for that. Uh, uh, we went through names like I think Greyback was one of the names. <laughs> um, nice. Uh, Inversions was one of the names at one point. <laughs> um, that like they just meant like nothing. It was bullshit. But um, mm -hmm. 
But it was for us, it was super exciting. It was like, oh my God, we're in a band. And at that time, in our high school, we were the only band. We were the only band in high school. So for the school, it was like new. And for us, it was new. And I remember we were so excited. And we just, we used to practice in my garage. And we used to, I think that the, the height of our, of our like success or activity in that band was playing at our leaves assembly in year 11. At the end of year 11, we played Sabian. And it sounded oh, nice. terrible. It was terrible. And I remember <laughs> they asked us to play, play the whole thing out when everyone got up and went to go eat their cupcakes, the cupcake stand. <laughs> that all said goodbye on the, you know, the cupcakes. They said goodbye, yeah. you know, the leaves cupcakes. And we played, we just played um, Underdog by Kasabian really loud like, as everyone was like, <laughs> hugging their parents, like, eating their cupcakes and looking back that's so that's just sort of the weirdest thing but like yeah that was my first band and then um after that it eventually sort of that adam i think was the only member of the band who transitioned with me into the next band and that was that became abode which was or um our band for like uh like a good five years i mean we're, we're still sort of sort of going now but there's just um, you know, members have left since then, and there's nothing. There's nothing really in the works at the moment. You know, yeah. it gets to that point where, unfortunately, you know, you graduate, and then all of a sudden you've got to actually do something. Yeah. So it's one of these cases where we kind of had to put that on hold for a bit. <laughs> but um, whether whether we come back um, as a boat or not, um, me and Adam definitely have. I mean, we're super close. We're super close, me and Adam. We've been um, to get playing music together since from the start. So we will probably end up you know, doing something with that or coming like a, creating a new project eventually. Right. Once, you know, I, I, once I'm a bit more financially stable, once Adam's more financially stable and once lockdown is a thing as well. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's my band history. And as well as that, I played in, I sort of played, you know, drums because I, I primarily in the band, is that in the band I've, I've sort of started, I played bass or guitar. But um, and now and again filling in, and the other band that I play, I have played for, um, is a duo called Charcoal, which is um, it's, it's essentially my friend Joel's sort of project. It's a bit like Royal Blood, mm-hmm. and um, I I just play, I just play drums for it. It's sort of Joel's project. He writes all he writes all the music and everything. But I have a lot of fun playing shows for Charcoal. Like you could, it's just like straight up. You can just sit behind the kit and blast it out. Yeah, you know, like we we play some pretty cool shows as well, which is really. Hey, Alex here again. Just a reminder to go over to our Instagram page at Collective Culture uh, to check out all the projects we're working on. Cheers. It's really nice to sit out behind the kit, uh, like a nice rock show, and just yeah, back it out and play some rock and roll. No, no, I know exactly what you mean. Like I. Um... I sometimes, now on occasion, will fill in for my friend's band on drums and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Because I don't play in any bands really anymore. Um, and yeah, just like that sort of lack of responsibility for everyone else is just brilliant. Just yeah, yeah. That, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Like, like it's like the drummer thing. Like, I know you're not supposed to say that as a professional musician, but like, oh, it's always there's something about being the drummer in a band where. There's there's less of a weight on your shoulders, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because because you can you're not at the front, you're not having to like communicate with the audience. You can just sit back and just rock out. And yeah, just, yeah, exactly. And al- yeah, and also you're not sort of tied to, you're not tied to like playing stuff exactly 
right or the same or you can like yeah, yeah, change exactly, stuff. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and you, you at the same time you have a lot of control and like of, of <laughs> like of like the energy of, of the music that you're playing. So Absolutely. like you can just like go for it and you can just like basically like, free control. Mm. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, where, where do you kind of obviously right now, um, obviously with lockdown in place, etc. Mm. Um, we have basically no, well, no, we have no live music. So, where do you mm. like, as someone who's still like, you know, who's turned music into a career, where do you see live music now, like as an industry? Would you say? Um, it's it's a, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that right now. COVID has obviously affected the entire world and that includes the live music industry and you know it's one of those things where unfortunately we can't really do anything about it right now we can't play live and that sucks um so I think the best we can do is just wait wait out hope until hope that COVID eventually goes away and that we can actually go out and we can play again yeah. but I guess the bigger, bigger picture like playing live just in general today I think live music is insanely important because mm. you know I mean you've probably heard this a million times before but in, in a society now where we can just access music whenever we like um, like however we like I think that sort of heightens the importance of live music because yeah. because it's not like you know back in the day where you could just you know, it was it was like harder to listen to the artists that you liked. Yeah. So you, not like you had to go and see live music. Um, but but now like it's like people want want more. Like oh yeah, like we we can listen to music whenever we like, however we like. But that's it. That's it's like we need to be able to people need to be able to connect with the artists now. Yeah. And there's so yeah. many, and obviously artists aren't making money. Through, through you know releasing music anymore really unless I don't know you're like signed to a huge label but yeah. even then yeah. like most of the music now is made through live shows so mm -hmm. as a professional musician I mean not necessarily in my case because I am making money from producing yeah. but like in general as a professional musician it's so important to be able to play live yeah because you need to earn money as a musician yeah. so yeah no absolutely absolutely yeah like um because I mean, I've heard quite, there's been quite a few like um, musicians from like big, like prominent bands on the radio recently, sort of uh, lobbying to um, you know certain politicians, um, and yeah, just sort of like you know, sort of saying to them, you know, we literally we're literally not making any money. <laughs> yeah. We've got all these like all the all these. Yeah, all, all all these uh, all these members of staff that go around with us on tour, and we we can't pay them a penny. Um, yeah, they're at home, not making any money. Yeah, it sucks. Um, but mm, hopefully, it can come back soon. Uh, yeah. And obviously, there's the entire you know we're not. It's not just the performers. Like there there are entire industries mm -hmm. that are entirely that entirely revolve around the live music. Um, yeah, the, well, live music, like you know, lighting, sound, playing. Mm. exactly. Yeah. Um, that's their entire career. It, you know, it's not like they can just go back and it's not like a musician can, you know, sort of spend their free time writing more music. They're getting the short end of the stick more than musicians. Mm. Like, that's their life. They thrive off live music. Mm -hmm. um, but I, and again, it's just like so many other industries. You know, it's not just music. It's all sorts of um, industries that are being affected by COVID right now. So it, it's just like, uh, an entirely 
really lame situation for the whole world, really. Isn't yeah, it? Completely like an overriding power. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so something that um has really like I guess I guess really interests me and like something that I've had lots of like just debates and conversations with people about is like yeah. the role of um like well sort of the rise of like the bedroom producer and um, yeah, yeah. what that kind of means for the industry as a whole like what do you kind of see the role of studios now like recording studios like where 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 do you see their like kind of <laughs> i think that studios well i think this is an interesting this is a really good question by the way i really like that question because there are two sides to this answer. There are two sides. Because it's great that the, there is the phenomenon of the bedroom producer. It's, it's what allows me to do what I do. It's allowed what so many producers um, do what they do. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there's, it's so important still for like studios to mm -hmm. like exist, I think. And I think a big part of that isn't necessarily the space, but it's the producer who owns the studio, who operates in the studio. There are so many, it, you know what, I think it completely depends or mostly depends on the style of music that you sort of operate in. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a rock band, if you're a pop band, a pop musician, um, you know, you can't just, you can't just like depend your entire career on your production skills, your songwriters, mm -hmm. right? you know, your performers and songwriters. So there are so many, but for most pop bands and rock bands, you know, you're not going to have like all these years experience, 10 plus years experience recording and producing like really good quality records. You're going to need to go to a professional producer in a studio, aren't you? And that's what a lot of people do. That's what most people do. The music you hear on the radio nowadays. Um, the exceptions, I guess, are like, you know, EDM, a lot of EDM music, you know, things that you can get away with a lot more easily doing on your own. So, you know, um, it's the bedroom producer role is a lot more suited to people i think who are working with more synthetic um sounds um if you're a band or you know yeah if, if you're a member of a band it's so less practical to be a bedroom successful bedroom um uh, producer um because you've got a drum kit you've got a drummer they might have like a huge like um neil pert style you <laughs> yeah. know, drum kit. Yeah. <laughs> how the hell how the hell are you supposed to fit that in a bedroom and, and yeah, there, there are some, there are some really good sample packs out there for drums, but it's for a lot of people, it's not the same. You're going to need to go into the studio and get that recorded, you know, mm. with a producer that knows what he's doing. Yeah. Has, yeah. And yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm split on it as well because well, I, I think, you know, both serve a purpose. Um, mm. Like for example, like I think going into a studio, if like yeah, if, if sorry, if you make the decision to go into a studio to record, I think you're also going in there, like recording in a studio changes your whole experience of recording, and I think that like has a massive impact on the final product as well. And um, like sure. I know when yeah exactly like I think like when I was playing um, in a band a year or so ago, um, when we would go and record at uh, Lewis's studio. Um, mm. it's like the songs would come out way sort of way more rounded and finished than if we like worked on a track and did some more like electronic based stuff at home it just didn't really oh, yeah, work yeah. very it's well true, yeah and you get like, like, like no, when, you're, when you're in that environment you're, you're, it's like there's a more kind of like okay we're here to do something yeah. let's finish it 
as opposed to just like, oh, I'm hungry, I'm going to go down and have, get something to eat and maybe yeah. come back tomorrow. Exactly. But like, yeah, when you're like, and, and unfortunately, um, that's one of the, I mean, I'm super lucky to be able to work in my studio, but one day I would absolutely like to have an actual studio as opposed to a room, a converted room next to my bedroom. You know? yeah. yeah, exactly. No, 100%. Um, so what like what would you say that you really like about like production library composing because obviously i assume it wasn't something you'd maybe considered like 10 years ago when you were just playing in bands with your friends like what like how did you know when i was 10 years ago i didn't even know what it was until like like (laughs) uni really Mm -hmm. like or um i mean i heard of it back then but it was only in the last couple of years the last three four years that i actually kind of sort of went and tried to understand what it actually was and what I really love doing is is that so the the label that I work with they are great in that they have their needs but that you know because they're a relatively new company they're trying to branch out and um and that that does cover like a a huge blanket you know there's I'm, I'm getting to do what you know one month I'm doing a sort of um like an orchestral um uh great british bake-off style album awesome um, and then maybe the next month i'm doing um almost like a hip-hop album like mm-hmm. promo pop hip-hop mashup and then another month i'm doing an album of movie trailer music like the, the scope is like insane and, and it, for me as a as a as a really new person in this industry it's super useful for me because and, and exciting because i get to like try out new things i'm exploring new areas i'm like forcing myself out of my comfort zone of what I know. Um, it's funny, like the, the one thing since I started, the, the, the one style of music I haven't touched or made any music in that style of is rock and like metal <laughs> of like the music that I have always basically yeah, played. Yeah. <laughs> so it's in bands, so it's really funny. Like I'm doing like every other style, mm. but the one I'm used to doing. And you get paid for it. Yeah, and that's the best thing. That's the best thing. I mean, um, I, I'm not earning much right now because I've only just started. Like the 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 real like money eventually comes in later. You know, years down the line. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm looking at that right now. I'm looking at about another two to five years until I actually start. You know earning like a nice amount of it but mm-hmm. right now i'm earning just enough to get me by which is nice um but it's it's very much a, something where it's it's an investment to decide to work mm-hmm. in this yeah. sector because it's not in, it's not like you get employed and there you go you've got an instant income it's it's something you have to sort of trust the process on and yeah. um and just and just you know do as much research as you can divided and, and sort of weigh up your options and make a calculated decision you yeah. know with it um, and that's that's basically where i am right now it's it's not yeah like i say it's not like being employed you're not employed and it's it's, it's something that requires a lot of, sort of trust with the person that you're working with yeah um but the nice thing is is that i'm getting paid just enough to hone my craft and to learn that's brilliant and that's mm. brilliant that's great for me. That's perfect. Right now, I'm 22. That's where I, that's like perfect for me right now. Absolutely, hundred um, percent. Amazing. So yeah, we've got a good overview of like your 
so far music career, Max? In this segment of the podcast, we discuss personality tests and what results we came out with when we both recently did one. um, So, obviously, everyone has sort of brought in their own, like, topic, and you wanted to talk about, I'll let you introduce it. Oh, oh, is this the good, is this, this isn't the, the the terrible... No, 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 this is about... Oh, we're getting to that later. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, good. No, this is fine. Yeah, yeah. I was ready. <laughs> I, I, yeah. We'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. but no, no, yeah. So, yeah, the, the and this isn't even music-related, right? This is just like a, a completely random topic. And it was it was coincidence, very much coincidence, because you suggested this to me most before I was going to suggest it to you. So it was like, you, you and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, 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 um, when, you first, when we first spoke about this, you actually said, personality tests you actually oh, said yeah, no yeah. way when you said hey wait th- what's a bit like have you been sort of interested in at the moment like what have you been doing research on yeah. i was i was about to say personality tests i took a personality test <laughs> and, um, but yeah so 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 that's basically it um uh like a couple of months ago now i just thought hey i'm pretty sure i saw the personality test website i checked it out and i did the test and then i was like quite interested in the result that I got and I thought oh I'll send this into my my friend group chat and see if they want to do it turned out they like almost all of them had already done it and they sent me their results and it was really interesting so like, what oh, results? um so so one of, the, one of the reasons why I sent this in this is because my result wasn't as straightforward as I'd hoped see I'd done the same test a couple of years ago and I got one result and I did the same test this year mm-hmm. and I got a different result and then I went on all over, I did like, I think, six other personality tests on all sorts of different websites. They were all Maya Briggs, all Maya Briggs tests. And I, I, I got pretty much evenly divided between two, but leaning more on to ENFJ. ENFJ was my sort of primary, more dominant result. Mm-hmm. And then ENTJ was my other, was my sort of like secondary. Mm. Um, so I, I, based on all the tests I've done, I, I'm pretty much like dead center between ENFJ and ENTJ. Like I, I have some traits in the other, but like no traits in that in the other and vice versa. So it's very, I didn't have a straightforward result basically. Yeah, I got what about you? Sure. Well, I, I did it before we, uh, before we came on to the Zoom call today. Oh yeah, yeah. I got, so I am apparently a protagonist. Okay. Hey, that's ENFJ. That's the same as me. Yeah, ENFJ. Hey, that's, you're the first person that's, that's also got that. <laughs> you're the first person that's also got the result that I've spoken to. That's oh, insane. Really? That's such a coincidence, yeah. Because apparently ENFJ is really rare, rare. It's one of the rarest. Really? Yeah, yeah. You can you can go on the on the stats on their website. It's really oh, interesting. It as you like the percentages and stuff. But yeah, no. Tell me more. Tell me more. Well, I've been compared to Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Ben Affleck, uh, Sean Connery, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> So I'm happy. I'll take that. I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, everything you do right now ripples outward and affects everyone. Your posture can shine your heart or transmit anxiety. Your breath can radiate love or muddy the room in depression. <laughs> your glance. What's that got personality? Yeah, your glance can awaken joy. Your words can inspire freedom. Your every act can open hearts and minds. And apparently, 
protagonists are natural born leaders full of passion and charisma forming around 2% of the population. So we must be quite, quite uh, rare, Max. You, you turn out to have the same result as, as me because like you, you are one, the only other person who is like randomly, at, like before me initiating it said, oh, um, I, I'm, I've been interested in, I've currently been lost in the world of personality tests, or like I've heard of <laughs> and, and you are also the first person we've spoken to who has had the same result as me. There we go. So this is, I feel like I'm meeting my clone. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. I mean, that's stupid. Actually. I know there's like going to be like billions of other people out there. Well, not quite a billion, millions of other people. Because there's oh, seven yeah, billions in the world. There's 16 personalities. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, millions of other people with the same one. But like, you're the first person I've spoken to with the same. So that's really cool. There we go, Max. Oh, you know. <laughs> Why <do> you know? <laughs> so. Now we've uh, gone over our uh, detailed personality types, so everyone knows everything about us. What, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a kind of a final segment, which I've been yeah. doing with everyone, which is always ends up being quite funny, is the worst piece of work or performance you've ever created or been a part of. <laughs> okay, all right, we better address it then. Okay, so basically, 2016, Halloween 2016, me and my band of Bowie put on a show at a club um we were super excited about it we like we put so much into the promotion on it but looking back we we, we really didn't know what we were doing i mean we did it on a sunday we decided we did it on a sunday did that that was sort of how the arrangement worked out and it was on a club a club that only club people go to like no one interested in like no one who like the main audience for this club is people who go to clubs not people who go to see bands, mm-hmm. but we just got there. <laughs> cool, we've been playing at a club, and and we promoted the crap out of it. Like we put flies everywhere, the old school way. We promoted it like crazy on social media. We actually ended up building up a lot of hype, like online, and we thought, wow, this is going to be huge. Then one of the big lessons from this was um, online hype is synthetic hype. <laughs> organic it's not organic hype they're just numbers they're just numbers and people writing on the internet because when we got there i mean it was a huge club there were probably like it would probably be like a good and a good amount of people enough to fill like a, a a small actual like music venue but because it was a huge club with like a huge capacity like talking thousands it looked really really empty Oh. Like and um, and it was Halloween, so everyone was dressed in Halloween dressed in Halloween costumes, which lightened the mood. I must say that was good. But um, we we okay. That wasn't even the first. That wasn't even the problem. That was fine compared to the actual disaster of the show itself. The opening band were brilliant. Vera Lones, they were great. They aced it. But then we played. <laughs> we came on stage and. From the moment, before we'd even got to the stage, things weren't working. Things were just going wrong. Um, we had like a, an intro track that we played that we walked onto, which didn't play properly. Uh-huh. They didn't play. And we got on stage, like ready to go. The crowd like, woohoo! And then no sound coming out my face. Uh-huh. Okay. And we spent the first 10 minutes of our stage time, 10 minutes of our stage time, trying to fix what had gone wrong. Uh-huh. And everyone... And it was the most awkward thing ever because it wasn't like a small intimate venue where you just joke around and be like, ah, don't worry, we'll get this working in a moment. It was like a big club venue where 
everyone's sort of like, you know, no, no one there sort of, there were barely anyone, there's barely anyone there who knew who we were. They were just like club goers. We're like, okay, we'll check this out. And they were just standing there like, waiting for us to just get going. And, oh, and the, that was one of the most painful 10 minutes of my life. Um, I think seconds to the next half an hour of my life, which was when we finally got that problem sorted, um, we were like, okay, yeah, we're good to go, we're good to go, we've got, we've got music, we've got, we've got that. Okay, here we go, we crashed into the first song. Uh, here's the thing, right? I was ill. The whole, the whole week, I was fine, but that day I fell ill. And the thing that was most affected by it was this, was my throat, and I was singing. Um, and never before, never before have I truly had such a smack in the face of reality of you can't sing if you are ill enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'll push through it. And as soon as I as soon as I went to sing the first now, all that came out was uh, uh, like like I can't even it was insane. Like no notes came out. It wasn't a note, it was more percussive than anything else. It was more percussive, like a like uh, and, and and I was like uh, and I tried to sing through it. And because we had these weren't the crowd weren't people we previously won over, they weren't fans, they were people who were new. And they were just like, and I was like, crap, crap, crap. And, and I remember the more I sung, the worse it got. And it was like, it got to the point where it wasn't even like the odd blip in the voice now and again. It was like, not, there wasn't a voice coming out. It was like the sound of a rattlesnake. Oh, so um, eventually I actually turned around and went, we're going to have to do this instrumental. We're going to have to do an instrumental. But the problem was, right, is that, um, so it turned out that um, there was more than just my voice to worry about, and that was the fact that, that we were having really bad sound issues, and we hadn't got a proper sound guy to help us. We just got one of our friends who was sort of studying sound at the time, and um, he was by the sound desk, and which was actually beside the stage, <laughs> as opposed to like in front, yeah. in front of house. Yeah, where you hear anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and he kept looking up and going, <laughs> "What? <laughs> what?" And he was like. I was like, what, why, what do you mean? Why are you shaking your head like that? And it turned out that um, basically um, uh, he, he didn't realize that the problem was that I had a sore throat. He just thought that the microphone wasn't loud enough. So he said, he, it turned out he was saying to Sam, he was saying to Sam the whole time, the microphone won't go any louder. I can't get the vocals any louder. And I was like, don't make them louder, turn them down. And there was like this like complete lost in translation thing going on here and turned out what he ended up doing, what he was doing, he'd actually turned down he, to, to like, because he thought the problem was the vocals not being loud enough, as opposed to just me not being able to deliver them. He'd cranked the mic and because the mic wouldn't go any louder, he decided to bring everything else down. So he, he turned down my bass completely. So there was like no audio coming out my bass. He'd turned down Sam synth. So the only thing that came out was, was the drums and Adam's, really loud distorted guitar and my uh, vocals oh. so turned out the whole time all anyone was hearing was that was just my horrible throat no bass no synth just the pounding drums and the heart of bracing in a big club and a, huh? this is upsetting me it's horrible yeah yeah you're getting like secondhand embarrassment and i remember there was like a there was like a particular moment where i actually it was like almost like a profound like uh, ascension moment for me when I, I actually reached this threshold that I'd never reached in my life before where 
I reached a certain threshold of embarrassment where all of a sudden I didn't give a shit. <laughs> I remember I actually said, I actually randomly, I remember, I'll never forget this. I actually said into the mic to the crowd, I just went, I think I just learned to give no fucks. I think I just learned <laughs> to not give a fuck. And I literally, like, I, it just came to me. I just, like, revealed my, my realisation to the whole crowd in that moment. I think I just learned to not give a fuck. And, I, and the, the mood actually lightened a little bit. Everyone was just like, yeah, you know what, yeah. And, 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 and yeah. all of a sudden it wasn't as bad, but it was still terrible. This must and, um, been, and I, this, I was going to say, this must have been quite a roller coaster for the audience. Oh. <laughs> My God, and and um, I mean, and there was there was a local music critic, an actual local music critic. Oh no! Critic that that had been following us, sort of never seen us live, but had been hearing about us, listened to our music. She often she was really great. She often pr promoted our music online because she'd heard our two songs that we ever released online, and um, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm going to come along to this one." She picked the wrong show to come along to. Uh, and I, I and I I felt so bad for her because I remember after the show, I saw she posted on Facebook, she posted on Facebook very dis like very disappointed. I've just seen the so and so band abode. Um, unfortunately, it was not what I expected. It was you know blah, blah blah terrible sound issues. I felt very unsafe walking to the club, and I just felt so bad. I thought, oh, no. we're the reason she's had a horrible night. We're the reason she felt unsafe walking there like that. She's like there was no one around outside it was very strange she said it was overall a terrible evening terrible evening <laughs> i remember just thinking you know like i realized it was one of the worst professional and social worst of my nights of my life ever so to see that review was like never again i was like yeah. that was like that was like beyond the point of embarrassing where it got to the point of like okay we're putting that in the drawer we're putting that in the drawer i don't give a fuck we're putting yeah. that in the drawer of if you touch that memory, it will hurt. So you're just going to move on. You're just going to learn and move on. Like it's hurting and, now. And, and, to top it, and to top it off, yeah. Yeah, like it's hurting now. Yeah, you made me open up this drawer. This is why you got the segment on here, isn't it? So you made people open up their old wounds. Like, ha-ha. <laughs> 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 I music anymore, so I'm going to make you <laughs> in the room But yeah, basically... Um, as if that wasn't bad enough so we got to the end uh, well, no we didn't get to the end this is the whole point I'm, I'm about to make we didn't get to the end because it got so bad we were just like i think we did three songs by the third song i remember looking around at lewis and adam just going no we, we can't continue that we have to cut our losses mm -hmm. if we continue anymore we might we might actually the the, the club owner we, we genuinely think he might come down and just say stop you're out <laughs> <laughs> It got that bad, and um, and like it was quite like a, um, it was quite a very very strictly run club, you know, like uh, it wasn't like a like music venue style run. It was like super yeah, strictly yeah, yeah. run, so it was kind of you know like, it, like strike one and you're out kind of thing. Yeah, kind yeah. Of, sort of feeling. So um, um, we we you know it didn't feel super welcoming. I don't want to say the club's name or anything like that because you know, yeah, yeah. but but um. But anyway, we, um, we, we sorry, I'm like, I'm like on a, on like a journey back in time now. Um, I, I, like flash, flashbacks, <laughs> but like, um, basically, yeah, we, we, I, just, I remember turning around to the band and just going, that's it. And everyone was just like, we agree. <laughs> yeah. No more. But I remember Lewis, I love Lewis. He, he was, 
he, he was lucky. He was in the drummer position. He was he was filling in because at that time our our original drummer had left and he was filling in for us. Oh, Lewis so Lewis had a great time. Yeah, Lewis had a great time. He was just you know you know what just a gig to play fun fun there was no so lewis had a great time i love that because if it wasn't for lewis there well for a start we wouldn't have played in the first place but um yeah no lewis definitely did lighten the mood but um i remember we 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 finished playing and and i just remember just saying all right that's it we, we stopped uh, and the crowd kind of okay and, and they just left and that was it it was the weirdest evening of my life one of the weirdest evenings of my life and um and because, like, I was the guy who sort of spearheaded the operation, you could say, like, I was the one who, like, organised it with the, the club owner. I sort of le led the whole expedition into this horrible territory. I, I just kind of felt like it was my own personal failure, you know, because it was, it, it was kind of the result of my decision, my sort of, like, leadership in that, in that, era, in that, in that venture. And it was completely yeah. my fault. And I just remember packing away with just thinking, this is horrible. Like, I just remember like opening my base case, putting my base in there and just thinking, I never want to see this place again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and, no, gone. I was going to say, to top it off, the, 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 the cherry on top was that um, I, I, when I got ill that day, if I wasn't playing that gig, I could have just, taken the day off and had a rest and, and I would have been fine the next day. But because I shredded my voice so much, I stressed myself out so much and it was such a hectic, busy evening, um, I got the flu. I was I actually had the flu for the next fortnight, for the next week, I was bedridden. Uh, so I, I remember getting in the car finally at the end of that, exhausting myself and I, I could barely draw, I could barely reach the wheel. My arms were aching so much. I remember just thinking, I don't even know if I'm fit to drive home after this. Yeah. I was I, I it made me ill <laughs> it was horrible yeah, so yeah no. that was no no bro no, no I, I I know that that feeling I've I've had yeah like in all the bands I've ever played in I've always been the one who's well most of them I've always been the one who's like organized the gigs tours yeah. like organize everything and when it yeah. goes wrong and stuff doesn't go right on stage people don't turn up to the shows it, everyone looks at you and it's just the yeah. worst, most embarrassing. Oh. You just like, it's just social ridicule on a whole nother level. <laughs> oh, so, so, I feel like you can probably relate to that quite a bit then. Yeah, the, the worst thing, the, the, when you said about um, the instruments not working when you went on stage, yeah, yeah. We we've had that at like some of our, like the biggest like headline gigs that I've been a part of. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you've got like maybe like over a hundred people there and they're all like waiting and you've asked them to come and they'll sit there waiting and you can't get a guitar working it's so awful it's, it's gonna so make me it's gonna make, i have i have nightmares about that night like <laughs> not about not, not where i'm revisiting that night but i have nightmares from that night like i i'm actually telling you now it's dead serious 80 percent of my nightmares are gigs gone wrong I'll basically like I have a lot of dreams where I'll, I'll be I'll be with the band I'll be setting up on stage and just they'll be like you've got five minutes you've got five minutes I'm like we just got it <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you've got five minutes and then you'll be like and then like Adam will say wait I forgot my guitar oh, and then Tim will be like yeah. wait I forgot my drum kit and then I'll be like shit and I forgot my bass that feeling and of like go headlining get ready go on stage and it will just be <laughs> and I have those dreams a lot. I'm talking like probably like 
at least once every three weeks I have a nightmare like that and it's yeah. horrible I wake up like <laughs> and it must be from that gig that must be what caused that the plight of musicians I know oh man but it's, it's interesting that we've both been in that similar position oh, maybe it's an ENFJ maybe it's an ENFJ thing maybe it's yeah an it is it's because we're we, we make we things yeah, but, but at the same time, we take the most of the blow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it, it oh, sucks. Wow. Because, like, in that situation, like, Lewis loved it. He loved it because, the, like, with Lewis, like, you know, it, if that was me, I'd have loved it. If I was in him in position, it'd be great. You know, like, I didn't put on the gig. I, it's not my band. I could just sit there and play with my friends. And it was great. But I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Lewis, Lewis completely um, felt, felt the blow. I feel he felt the blow, but I just we'll think him. he definitely enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, yeah, ask him about it. I'm sure he'll tell you all about it too. <laughs> oh, well, God. thank you for sharing, Max. That was yeah, uh, very thank, insightful. Thank you for opening up that old wound. <laughs> but you know what? I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy. I think it is. Reflective. I don't know. I'm pulling out of my ass. But it might not be healthy. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's important to address your wrongdoings. And, you know, because I did learn a lot from that. I learned a lot. And it's, you know, sometimes they, you know, it's cliche, but sometimes the, the biggest leaps you make are come after the biggest fall. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Well, yeah. thank you, Max, for taking the time to chat. I really appreciate it. No